0: I don't think I have ever known of a youth group to stake out a spot on the front row, so shout out to Oak Youth for being awesome and peculiar. Um, we're starting, as uh, Chris mentioned, this creation season, which is kind of this this mini month-long nested little season in a season um, inside of ordinary time during uh, September and leading up to when um, the, the, actually the feast day for St. Francis, um, and during this time we're going to, um, remember and to explore this God that we worship, this God of creation. And in some ways that's, seems basic and easy, in some ways, uh, we're actually like so close to this creation and even a part of it that it's, it's difficult to zoom out and to remember some of these things, to, to to gaze on creation with uh, marvel and wonder and to let that shape and form our spiritualities. So on this Labor Day weekend, I I want us to read afresh, and I'm going to invite Justin to come, um, and he's going to read this really long passage that we're all probably pretty familiar with, Genesis 1 and the start of Genesis 2. So get comfortable, maybe take a breath, Close your eyes if you have to and and catch some of the rhythm of this litany of creation. Um, In coming weeks, we'll also have some some, uh, small testimonies of uh, some folks in our community for whom uh, worshiping the God who creates is a a, a really key part of the way they experience God's care and creativity. Um, And I hope um, in these next couple weeks that as a community, and you'll see it um, expressed in our liturgy, you saw it in our call to worship, and you'll see it in the um, the confession, that there are kind of two main impulses or emotions that, that are brought forth as we ponder and uh, meditate on creation. First is Thanksgiving, um, and Thanksgiving is often... Um, Like the Psalms, like this effusiveness and praise, naming again and again God's good gifts and God's good world that we're a part of and that we participate in. And the other thing, so, so Thanksgiving is one thing, lament and repentance would be the other side of that coin the ways that we damage creation, the ways that we don't receive with gratitude, the ways that we fall into cycles of scarcity and hopelessness and violence. So with that as the backdrop, I want us to hear Genesis 1 together.
1: (laughs) When God began to create the heavens and the earth, The earth was without shape or form, it was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, let there be light, and so light appeared. God saw how good the light was, God separated the light from the darkness. God named the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning, the first day. God said, let there be a dome in the middle of the waters to separate the waters from each other. God made the dome and separated the waters under the dome from the waters above the dome. And it happened in that way. God named the dome sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky come together into one place so that the dry land can appear. And that's what happened. God named the dry land earth and he named the gathered waters seas. God saw how good it was. God said, let the earth grow plant life plants yielding seeds, and fruit trees bearing fruit with the seeds inside it, each according to its kind throughout the earth. And that's what happened. The earth produced plant life, plants yielding seeds, each according to its kind, and trees bearing fruit with seeds inside it, each according to its kind. And God saw how good it was. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will mark events, sacred seasons, days, and years. They will be lights in the dome of the sky to shine on the earth. And that's what happened. God made the stars and two great lights, the larger light to rule over the day and the smaller light to rule over the night. God put them in the dome of the sky to shine on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. God saw how good it was. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. God said, Let the waters swarm with living things, and let birds fly above the earth up in the dome of the sky. God created the great sea animals and all the tiny living things that swarm in the waters, each according to its kind, and all the winged birds, each according to its kind. God saw how good it was. Then God blessed them Be fertile and multiply and fill the waters and the sea. And let the birds multiply on the earth and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day god said let the earth produce every kind of living thing livestock crawling things and wildlife and that's what happened god made every kind of wildlife every kind of livestock and every kind of creature that crawls on the ground god saw how good it was then god said Let us make humanity in our image to resemble us, so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food. To all wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give all the green grasses for fruit. And that's what happened. God saw everything he made, and it was supremely good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The heavens and the earth and all who live in them were completed. On the sixth day, God completed all the work that he had done, and on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. On the day, the Lord God made earth and sky, Before any wild plants appeared on the earth and before any field crops grew, because the Lord God hadn't yet sent rain on the earth and there was still no human being to farm the fertile land, though a stream rose from the earth and watered all of the fertile land, the Lord God formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into his nostrils. The human came to life. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and put there the human he had formed. In the fertile land the Lord God grew every beautiful tree with edible fruit, and also he grew the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Nicely done, nicely done. So first, and maybe this is all a refresher, but it's good to refresh. First the start. Genesis is aptly named for beginnings, beginnings of the world, beginnings of our knowledge of the God that existed forever, from everlasting to everlasting. So knowing God as creator is important to our faith, not just because it gives God some sort of like powerful catbird seat high and above us, but also knowing God as Maker tells us a lot about God and ourselves in the world. Um, Jewish people's imaginations are formed by this thought and how they pray. Even Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Ha Olam is blessed are you, Lord God, King of the Universe, King of the Universe. This is expansive, divinely charged world, this world that we're in, and it's sung about and written about in the Psalms, Gerard Manley Hopkins' poetry, a hike that you might go on and look around. So we dive into stories like the creation story, and they're full of power and truth and beauty because you see... It can be really dangerous otherwise to, to flatly tag God with attributes detached from a story. I think that's, that's why this is a, a poem and a story, this creation. It's not just that God can do this, but it's that God does this. Surely we can say that God is all of those omnis, omnipotent and omniscient and sovereign and omnipresent and all those things. That can be too dry, too hypothetical, too... Um, clinical. Words like that risk misunderstanding that God is, is someone to know and that we can know about God through creation. Um, I, I, I think about that kind of mistake and like how, like, uh, how hard it is sometimes to articulate the things of God. There was this quote, and it's been—it's one of those quotes that's like attributed to everyone, but I think I think it gets mostly pinned on Elvis Costello. And they asked him about, about writing about music, and he said, "Like writing about music is like dancing about architecture. Like it's just like, how do you do that? And how do you how do you um, minimize or pin down or, or or that? So we run that risk when we talk about God, but." Um, Creation allows us a more expansive palette to be able to explore and know God. We make a mistake if we try to reduce a God who is always more. Uh, I think we know this intuitively about like, our family members. If you, if you want to get to know about us and you want to tell about your uh, the stock from which you came, or, or this happens at eulogies, You tell stories. You don't just say, my grandfather was kind. You don't just um, list his attributes or um, what was on his resume, though there's probably a lot of stories attached to all those resume entries. You talk about Bill Breslin, who spent hours in his garden tending his birds of paradise, or how... Grandpa always kept his stock, frid, his uh, fridge stocked in his garage with Coca-Cola and Reese Cups and Budweiser and he was a Scotch guy too. Um, you talk about how he smiled when he had the Cincinnati Bengals grill apron on and he was always like the perfect amount of grumpy at Christmas time when it was time for him to wear a Santa cap, but kind of play the Grinch and distribute Christmas Eve presents often to the wrong person. He's like the worst male man. See, you know a little bit more about Grandpa Breslin by these stories, not just um, some adjectives that I give you about him. So we dig into these creation accounts, not only to learn about God, but to begin to actually know God. Justin a couple weeks ago talked about, um, or actually it was Chris last week talked about the subversive act of knowing uh, and of being known. Um, Perhaps the most, one of the most interesting and important things about God is not just that God created, but is how God created. Digging into God's words, and uh, I'll borrow some insights from uh, author Andy Crouch here. Through this litany, this generative poem, God playfully repeats over and over, let there be, let there be, let there be, light into darkness, sky, land and sea, plant life, sun, moon and stars and their courses above, birds and animals, humanity, all with the words that someone might use when laying out the spread for a feast, let there be. Check it out. Um, we, used to, we used to read the Jesus Storybook Bible when the kids were a little smaller. And the Jesus Storybook Bible um, puts it, just paraphrases and says, that's good, <laughs> like over and over. That's good, that's good. And you, you understand this wonder. It's good because God said so. In this way, God's words make worlds. Miroslav Volf reminds us, These worlds, even in their current brokenness, are still very much good, fundamentally good. He says that the, quote, poison of evil and suffering cannot undo or even overwhelm the goodness of creation. To the extent that the world is unspoiled by evil and sin and remains God's good creation, to the extent that God uses even evil to create something good, things in this world are God's gifts sunsets and swamps, calm seas and tempests, the honey and the sting. So sure, God's handiwork turned out well, but even the making was good. Uh, think on that this week. Think on that over this long weekend. It could have been differently, but it wasn't. It was this way. Um, all these ancient civilizations have their own origin stories, their own creation accounts. You know, almost to a one, except for the, the Jewish story, is a story of scarcity and conflict and violence. Like the Anuma the Elish, for instance, um, Marduk vanquishes his opponents and brings forth life out of the spark of conflict. The genesis that comes from the guy that we worship, though, is... A beginning in grace. God sets up the world in such a way that it can then be filled, and then God fills it. Why? <laughs> Again, we ask these hypotheticals, Godly Play does such a good job with this. Uh, that's what the kids are doing downstairs with this exact story, and I, I guarantee one of the questions at the end is, uh, what was your favorite thing in the story? And then another question is, um, what what could we take out of the story and it, it wouldn't change? Or what could we add in and would make it different, right? And so that's uh, this beautiful way of, of handling scripture, not with kid gloves, but, but playing with it and, and chewing on it and, and letting it work on us. So why, why did God set this world up with space to be filled and fill it? Not because God's lonely. God's never been lonely. Not because God needs anything. God doesn't need anything. But just out of joy and amusement. Just out of abundance. Out of the overflow of God's love. Out of the very words of God's mouth. For us and for creation, this means that we exist as gifts gifts. The Psalms and some of the other prophetic writings of the Hebrew scriptures give us these beautiful images of us standing amongst creation in praise of our creator. Not just us in worship with our heads bowed or our hands raised, but but trees clapping hands, rivers praising. God answers Job and his suffering out of a, a whirlwind of creation. And Job is just, needs to realize he's just part of that community of creation. Romans 8 reminds us that all of creation, ourselves included, maybe we're um, not even the most articulate of times, groan and anticipate God's renewal. This seems so obvious to us in a time of climate change and hurricanes and heat waves and water shortages and salt lakes being out of whack, trees and creatures groaning, polar ice caps groaning (laughs) for redemption. Jesus himself warned the Pharisees that if his followers were silent, that even the rocks would cry out. The rocks have a voice these inanimate objects around us. Sometimes we've emphasized how special humans are in God's story at the expense of remembering how connected we are with this chorus of grace and praise with every other created thing. And remembering God as creator helps us resituate and recalibrate. And even God's words are grace. God says, let it be, let it be. Even my kids know that's, that's what Paul McCartney says, right? Um, but, but God, too, first. But that let it be is so much different than make it so, now. <laughs> my kids also probably hear that too much from me. <laughs> now. God's command is less demand and more delight. Make it so pressures and coerces. It's conditional. There's kind of an understood or else. But let it be creates room. It opens up space for flourishing. God, then, must not be that insecure. God stands apart from God's creation, as Paul reminds us in Romans 1. He shows us a sort of power that generates more power and more possibility. Isn't that what grace is and does? Possibility where there was none? A way where there was no way? Doesn't grace give freely, without strings attached, on God's own time? And then God's let it be, let it be, let it be, shifts to let us create humanity in our image weird. <laughs> Us? <laughs> Our? This shift might seem slight, but it's actually really pretty huge. Even though the divine fiat that repeats, let it, uh, let there be like a course, and makes this loving world graceful, it seems like God leans in even closer when it comes time to make humans. And I, I want to just go through that, that phrase and kind of parse it a little bit. Note a few things here. Let, it, let us, and notice that's on Rublev's uh, icon of the Trinity, uh, surrounded at the oaks of Mamre. We get a little glimpse with that, just that little phrase, that, that, that plural, first-person plural. We get a little glimpse at the creative society behind it all. The us in let us is like standing with the the door ajar to a party or a dance. We come to understand throughout God's story how this triune God acts in and for creation. Always. Always what's happening running in the background when we can't see it or refuse to sense it. We come to understand that in creation God doesn't just now learn how to love for the first time. God doesn't just start to have new toys to play with. Rather, God extends God's love, God's fellowship, God's delight and joy to human beings designed to bear a family resemblance. And this this happens with us and for us, but it happens among us together. It happens maybe most fully when we are together. That encourages this teeming world to team up. Let us. And then the the next word is create. Let us create. Create implies care and craftsmanship and attention to detail. Think about the most creative person you know. Uh, Most often that that creativity isn't just... um, when you think of someone being truly creative, you don't think of someone who just has a bunch of cool ideas that never manifests as, anyone, as anything. Normally, creativity for us implies that you, you make something. That, that, in fact, that is what creativity is. It's what we make of the world. right? So create implies this care and craftsmanship, this attention to detail. A craftsperson knows his or her material. And takes their time to love it into its best shape. Uh, there was a season where Oak had like a strange, strangely high number of woodworkers, and and, and among these crew who always find each other, right? Um, there's just this understanding and this growing in understanding how to work with wood in a way that that um, best uses the grain. Um, of a piece of wood, this jagged, gnarly piece of wood, can turn into something beautiful, not by fighting the grain, but by working with the grain. Um, There's a story about when the pope asked Michelangelo how he carved David, and I'm working with a lot of possibly apocryphal stories today, Okay, But just bear with me. And Michelangelo, not the Ninja Turtle, the Renaissance artist, said, I just had a slab of marble and I took away everything that didn't look like David. I don't know if that says more about the marble, Michelangelo, or the Pope there. But it's that same care that we rely on God when we ask God to to continue to shape us, to remove those things that don't look like us or really don't look like God in us. It's that same sort of care that we bask in, that we seek to learn for the sake of others because love achieves creativity by being perceptive, by paying attention. We can learn to love others well when we pay attention to small details, when we become experts on our friends, on our neighbors with strangers, even though we're just uh, encountering them for the first time. Like over time and with commitment and attention to detail, we can learn those little tells that our spouse gives that um, if we're not careful, we think that they're mad at us, but they're really like showing this little insecurity or fear. And we can tend to that and love them better. Or um, by learning this over a long time with friends, we can learn what the right questions are at the right times to ask a friend in need and to unlock that need. We can learn to be creative in our love. We can pay attention not to just what we say, but also how we say it, speaking the truth in love. This helps us to not just settle for the way things are, but to imagine healing and reconciliation, and to have bravery and follow through to take those steps with others. In the story that um, Justin read, there's that brief restory of Adam's creation. By the way, the Hebrew word for Adam is the same word as like fertile earth, which is why humans and humus sound so similar. And so this story is a a insanely practical um, creation story. It's a a dirt under the fingernails creation story that doesn't show us a deity in a lab, but a kneeling father building something special at the beach while the sun plays on his back. God animates us not by winding us up like clocks, but by kissing us, by inflating our lungs with God's breath, God's spirit into our spirits. In the last part of that sentence, let us create in our own image. In our image means that our truest selves, our best life now, the closest we'll ever come to perfection is to live in sync with who God is and how God acts. That's how we are designed to obscure that image, either by not knowing what God looks like or by lacking the self-awareness to know what we look like is is actually kind of tragic. So in our image means that each and every one of us reflects our creator in a unique way, that God might create humanity with, with difference. Again, this is a craftsman. This is not an assembly line type of God. That God creates humanity with difference, reflects not a challenge to overcome, but more variety to delight in. Men and women meant to reflect not just the image of God, but also the love that occurs between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit deferring to each other, delighting in each other, giving and receiving in a dance. The New Testament envisions this as the work of the church, this sort of community of difference and delight. The the church becomes an icon, not not something to look at, but something to look at through in order to better see God men and women in the body of Christ as members of one body with different parts different roles and abilities and shapes and sensibilities on this labor day weekend as we delight we we worship we learn to live in light of the fact that God labors to create this world of beauty and care and goodness. Perhaps we should also be surprised by the fact that God labors, but also God rests. That feels like good news. Um, when, when, you read, when you read scripture, you, you should pay attention when you're reading you're like, oh, that's, that actually seems like good news. That's something I needed to hear. That's good news. That's something I need to tell someone else about. That's That's good news, specifically to this person who needs to hear that, that we can rest. That even the God who is responsible for making it all, and sometimes we get it wrong, and we, in our own little worlds, think that we're responsible for making it all happen or holding it all together. God rests, and we can rest. Creation, this whole creation thing, Starts out of abundance and community and lack of nothing, and it ends in rest. Not frenzy. Not anxiety. Not stress to keep it all going. Not fear that it's all going to fall apart or that there won't be enough. But rest. And trust. Think about that. Even God trusts that God could take a nap and it all wouldn't go out of whack, right? Like, not to anthropomorphize God too much, we actually have God in human form in our Bibles, so that's great, but that God could set an away message on God's email and it would be okay, just for a day. It would be okay. We might grow in our ability to trust and to match God's rest and trust. To that we live in this world of creation, that we're loved by the God of creation, means that we are free to rest and enjoy and delight. That to live in that sort of world means that we can perceive and that we can receive this world that just is. The world as it is. That it's not on us to make the world anything other than it is. That we don't need anything else than we have. We don't need someone else's life or some other way. But right here, right now, we can be with God, with each other in the garden of creation. Walking with God, working with God. Learning how to speak like God. Words that are generative, that create space that build up rather than tear down and over a long period of time that we can learn how to trust that there's more than enough you all pray with me Lord God King of creation we give you thanks Thank you that everything that we receive, we receive as gifts. Help us be thankful. Help us be generous. Help us work with you in this creative and careful um, uh, calling that you've given us. And Lord, give us rest. Make us, um, in some ways, make us brave enough to rest and to trust in you. We give you thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.